0: Welcome back again for Up and to the Right, and again this week we have Mark Green on with us. And mart I'm so glad to have you for another episode.
1: It's good to be here with you, Rodney. And I enjoyed last time, and uh, look forward to sharing today.
0: Again, if you did not get to hear and see, you know, his message from just a couple of weeks back, uh, go check it out because it truly is inspiring, encouraging. I think that you're going to walk away with something very, very good as he wrapped up our series jesus says now we're going to get into more conversation on his story and so let's go to let's talk it over mart so tell us a little bit about how you got involved because you're you're the founder of mardell's um, christian book and education so t- talk to us a little bit about how you got started into that business
1: yeah, as I shared uh, last week at nine years old, I was gluing frames. And then as soon as the stores opened, the Hobby Lobbies, every summer we worked down there. So we got in the retail business. And uh, where my dad didn't enjoy school as much, he's a very smart guy. Just book learning wasn't his fun thing. Um, I loved learning. And so I was at college and I called my dad one time and my dad's an entrepreneur and we got to talking about something. He's, like, oh yeah, maybe someday we'll open some Christian bookstores or something. And I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting because he had talked about a barbecue stand, wasn't interested in restaurant business, all of that. But I thought, Wow. Christian Bookstore, that'd be kind of cool because a lot of times in my brain, you got nonprofits that you give to and you got retailers like Hobby Lobby that sell, but all of a sudden you could do both. You could both make money as well as the product you sell could be life transforming. So... Few days later i call my dad back say dad are you really thinking about doing that someday what's the is it on the plan he goes no but if you want to do it you come home i'll, I'll help you get a loan i bet we can get more than 600 bucks you know because <laughs> at that time he still only had seven stores and he was using he a lot of the leverage but we're able to get a little bit better and so uh, 1981 june of 1981 uh opened the first mardale store at 50th meridian here in oklahoma city and just started a career of uh, selling christian at that point we put off supplies in because it was too big for a christian bookstore and then over time, we kind of evolved into being an educational store. So it was a fun ride. It was a way to build something. Obviously, I had lots of advantages because my dad had already negotiated lots of things. I knew how to do trucking and how to do the brinks to pick up my money, the banking relationships, a lot of that. What I had to go learn is Christian bookstores because, I mean, I had a Bible, Kirkbride Bible, but I didn't know anything about Music and all—I mean, I did some, but all the different types and artists, and it was—it was a jump in with both feet. So you need to do that when you're 19 years old. <laughs> I probably want to do it again <laughs> now that I'm 59, 40 years later.
0: 19 years old. Wow, that's yeah. a great story. <laughs> and so, but you also invited somebody along the journey with you, about 19 years of age, also. Right? Yeah,
1: and I found her when I was 13. You know, in junior high, ninth grade, and invited her to a basketball game. Uh, she wanted to be my wife, Diana, and uh, she. Uh, It took me six years to convince her. I I kept chasing. And then, you know, every summer she needed to be free for summer camp. So I'd lose her. And then I'd get her back at school and lose her. And then actually when I was at college, I found another girlfriend. And then all of a sudden i get a call from her because she's going to college. And those guys didn't treat her quite as good as I did. So I'd kind of set a standard pretty high. So i tell guys, (laughs) set the standard real high. So if that girl finds somebody else, some guys don't come on time. They don't do little things like that so uh so I want to be honest with her though her dad uh got off at three thirty afternoon and he was home at three thirty seven I mean that's just the way it was and but I knew in retail it doesn't work that way you know a store may close at five thirty back in those days um, but you somebody customer may be in there they may not get out till six because you're checking them out doing all that stuff so I wasn't very romantic, and this was 40 years ago, so please give me some grace, but I actually proposed to Diana in the building before we opened the first Mardell store when I was taking all the tile off the floor. There was a little organ room in their little room, and so I went in there, and I, I proposed to her, so uh, pretty <laughs> embarrassing for my kids now, but it's still the truth, so. Oh, no, but that is that is romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's
0: that's the way it was done back then. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listen to some of these young people now on some of the proposals, oh, and they have like... <laughs> television crews and uh everything documented and spending huge amounts of money yeah it's a production um, yeah it is a production <laughs> nowadays so Shannon and I I was just me and her sitting on a swing at <laughs> oh, a park good, good, after <laughs> an event that we were required to dress up for uh you know in college and and so she was you know 19 I was 21 and <laughs> so we got down there, we swung a little bit, dressed up in a suit and her really nice outfit and she's swinging, I'm swinging and I just kind of get down and she's sitting on the swing and I kind of kneel down beside her and there's no, I didn't think about cameras, didn't think about, <laughs> yeah. you know, having, you know, it videotaped and, but but anyway, it worked. We've yeah, been, it worked. We've been together for, there, yep. we've been together this summer Be 30 years and you and wow. Diana, how 39
1: years, be 40 years in January. So we're not 40 far years. From 40 years. So wow. yeah.
0: And so, Out of that, you have um, produced, you two became one, and now you're 22.
1: Yeah, yeah, so the Bible didn't tell me that. I knew the two (laughs) become one part, but I didn't know the two became 22. So we just had our 12th grandchild, A couple of weeks ago and so we're just honored that God's blessed us four children they're all married now they all live locally all 12 grandchildren are local so we really enjoy family and being around them but yeah we have a blessed life
0: now just stop there for just a moment because I hope that my children are listening in on this because (laughs) that part on grandchildren being local uh, that's very important
1: (laughs) yeah very important (laughs) so I'm trying to help you here
0: (laughs) now so let's go back to Mardell's you got it going okay Tell us some more about what, what happened. Uh, I know eventually you got into um, uh, even uh, helping produce the Bible yeah, in languages.
1: Yeah. When me and Dinah first got married, we were part of youth camp. And so mm. when Mardell decided it was going to uh, tithe its profits, we gave to youth camp because we saw the powerful Powerful ministry of youth camp. Yeah. Kids going away for a week in the summer just thinking about the Lord with other believers and all that. But that season ended. We had our own youth camp. We had yeah. our four kids, and so we felt like that. And so one day a guy walked in, was selling a book uh, to us from Multnomah called Any Given Day in the Life of the Bible. And I thought, well, Any Given Day in the Life of the Bible, Bible translation, that's probably done in an ivory tower. I mean, I don't know who would translate the Bible. I have to be super smart. I can barely learn English. they got to learn another language. But I saw these pictures, and they were all people in the indigenous situation and just pictures i didn't expect airplanes and all this stuff they weren't in an ivory tower wasn't in a mm-hmm. college setting that afternoon i go back to the we to the mardale stores i go to the restroom and on the bulletin board was a uh ad for a banquet that was coming to town for wick bible translators I thought, well, that's weird i just saw wick this morning i go this afternoon i've never even heard of wick bible translation here they are at my store posting a, a banner and so i thought honey let's go to this let's go to this dinner So we did. So that was my journey of finding out Bible translation, that there's 6,000 languages on planet earth. I mean, just mind blowing stuff that I've never heard before. So that got me started in Bible translation. And so we moved our gifting that way. And we started paying for printing of Bibles when they got done. So somebody would print a new Bible and uh, we'd say, it takes a long time to do that, but we paid for the printing of the Bible. So it was something exciting for employees. Mm -hmm. So every year we would get, in the beginning we started, we did two of them. And then the next year we were able to do four of them. And so finally, this. Well, Mark, you got to come to one of these dedications. You paid for these printings of these Bibles. Why don't you come uh, experience a dedication? So I said, okay, let's try uh, get the dates. No, that day doesn't work. That day doesn't. Work. Okay, finally, it worked. So February the fifth, nineteen ninety eight. I got an airplane. I'm headed down to Guatemala, and uh, so uh, they give me a sheet of paper that tells me about this translation. And uh, the first thing I read is that the translators only have, the trans the, the language only has 30,000 speakers. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I'm just assuming if you got a language, you got lots of people. Our football stadium down here at the Sooners holds 100,000, right? I mean, only 30,000 people. I don't, even, I don't even start getting the, the stadium full. And then only 8,000 of those 30,000 can read. 1,000 of them are believers. Only 400 believers could even read. And I'm like, I just spent all that money on printing the Bibles and only 400 people can read the thing. That's This is not a good... ROI, that's my heart language, return on investment. And so, and and the family's gonna want a good story when I get back, right? I always like to say, hey, I got this story and this happened. And I'm like, that ain't gonna be a good story. So, And then it blew my brains because this couple had been down there 40 years, started in 1958. This is 1998. So 40 years they've lived down there to translate the Bible for only 400 people.
0: And wasn't this couple from Oklahoma
1: City? Yes, and then I get down there and all the donors from Oklahoma City, I'm like, what are y'all doing down here? Don't you know the translators? Dennis and Gene Stratemeyer live right here in Oklahoma. But you didn't know about house. that. I yeah. didn't know that until I got yeah. down there because it said USA on my sheet of paper. Because again, I just got on the last of this. I mean, I haven't been on this journey for 40 years. And so these friends have been sending their money for 40 years because it's a missionary model. So they sent $50 a month. So they're all super excited about this. I'm down there depressed, you know, because I'm like, let's just get out of here. Let's go home, you know. <laughs> I'm not doing this again. <laughs> and then we went to the ceremony. I mean, you're there. You're not going to leave, right? So I go to the ceremony and they actually sell the bibles for like a quarter or just a subsidized price at culturally relevant but for the four translators that helped dennis and gene stratemeyer dennis and gene were americans but the eastern huckle is the name of the people there was four translators they gave them a free bible and something happened i'd never seen before and i've helped people find the one bible at mardell but i would never seen anybody weep over it so when gaspar got his bible for the first time he had to take his handkerchief out and wiped away his tears in that moment i was just stunned by watching him do that and the Holy Spirit stunned me even more. He's never spoken to me audibly, but it put a question in my spirit that I did not put there myself, I know. And that was, why don't you go tell Gaspar, he's not a good ROI. Oh oh man, that was like a spear went right through my heart. Oh. I, he's, he's crying over that. What am I supposed to do? I'm, I, I'm like, I knew what the Lord was wanting to do. Yeah. So I went from why would anybody translate the Bible for small people groups to how can we make sure everybody on planet earth has God's word in their heart language? Mm. Well, then it's two o'clock the next morning. I'm in a $1 hotel. And again, not a good return on investment. I thought for sure I was going to get a good return on investment. <laughs> it was a barn. A $1 <laughs> dollar hotel, which yeah. was a
0: barn basically. Yeah,
1: yeah. I shouldn't have negotiated. Start at 50. No no more than 75, maybe 60 cents, okay? But at two yeah. o'clock in the morning, I couldn't sleep. Yeah. I have just had the emotion of the day. The drunks are singing out my window. So at two o'clock, I get up and I'm reading a book. And it's K. Arthur. And it says, being in God's word and knowing it for yourself is the key. Simple statement, being in God's word and knowing it for yourself is the key. Every Christian would know that. I'm a fifth generation Christian on my mom, third on my dad's side. I own 50 Bibles. I just paid for the printing of that Bible. And yet I don't read God's word on any kind of consistent basis. And so the Holy Spirit put a question to me and that's what kind of return on investment is Mark Green? And I realized, oh man, God, you've invested everything into me and I'm not even picking your word up. So I made a vow of the Lord. I've only made two to Diana, my wife, to death do us part. As we said, we've been 39 years on that one. Uh, I made a vow that I get a first thing and read God's word for the rest of my life. And uh, since January the 8th, February the 8th, 1998, my life has not ever been the same. I made a vow and a commitment to God. And man, he has showed up big time for me. Wow.
0: (laughs) I know, Mart for I think well over 15 years, 14 or 15 years, you've been sending me an email every morning. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas Day, January 1, July 4. Or just like today, I got an email and it's your verse of the day. Usually at the top is like where you're located. If you're in Oklahoma City or Tulsa or wherever else around the world. Yeah. Actually, since COVID, you have not been as many places <laughs> as you right. stay home. As, as you uh, were before COVID. and uh, But but then you would have the, your verse for the day.
1: Yeah, it's just my way to be accountable. I have uh, seven adventure partners and uh, Rodney happens to be one of those. I got myself and so I get... God calls you on adventures that are over your head. So they scare you, but they're really great on the other end of the story when you get to tell the end of the story. And so I invited you and to be one of my adventure partners. So for accountability, I show that, hey, I am reading God's word. I send it to all my family members. And there's six or seven young people that I'm trying to breathe into because I also want to pass on to them. So every day, at least they get some communication. I don't talk to all these people every day, yeah. but it's at least my way of accountability and a way to bless them, hopefully. So if they're too busy that day to read or whatever, at least they can get one verse. And hopefully it's a fairly good verse, you know, that I picked up from my reading. Now, obviously it's speaking to me and God's word's amazing. It's amazing. It's a love letter to everybody. I have total confidence that I can, we can translate God's word in all 6,000 languages and nobody's going to say, you know what? That book just doesn't speak to our culture. That's not going to happen. There's no other book I can say that about. But I have I have no fear whatsoever that taking God's word to any people group, it's a love letter to you.
0: This book is alive.
1: This book is alive. <laughs>
0: so I know this. One of the first times I sat down with you, in 1998, was right around this time, and you had also been through a 40 day fast. Yeah. Talk about what happened there. <laughs> what was all of that about? Uh. Uh, Was that something that was fasting a regular part of your life before then? Or is that something that just.
1: That's a wild story, my man. Uh, June 23rd, 1998, I was in a meeting and a guy stood up and commissioned me to do something that scared me to death. One of those God things. And so I said, I'm not doing it. But I told that guy to try to do something. So I said, Lord, I'm going to, you're going to find somebody. I'm going to go find somebody to do this big job. Um, And I'm going to tell you what, I've never fasted before. I'm going to fast one meal a day. And so I did. I fasted one meal a day and God was answering because that was the same year as Gaspar. My story I just shared, February 1998, it's June, God was just showing up. I'm reading God's word every day. And I mean, it's like every day something fresh happens. Well, all of a sudden I'm praying and fasting and he's not showing up. And I'm like, no, 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 Lord. I, I, I enjoy eating. I'm, I'm This one meal a day fast, I'm, I'm ready to get out of this thing. And I i getting ready to go overseas. And I'm legalistic enough that I didn't want to start over because now I'm four months, this is October. I'm four months into this fast. Lost 23 pounds on a one meal a day fast. I'm getting on this airplane and I don't want to start over (laughs) because I'm legalistic, right? So I'm getting on this airplane. And so I just, I said, okay, Lord, I won't eat till I get hungry, hoping that I could take it on three airplanes. By the time I get to Hong Kong, it's 24 hours later, it'll be breakfast. I'll get up and I'll know when one day is, you know, because it's just the time zone changes. And so I, sure enough, I get up to China and uh, um, I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry for lunch. I mean, we're working 12, 14 hour days. We work hard when we get there because we want to get back home. And we're working hard and I know I'm going to be hungry because I'm always hungry for breakfast over there, because I have a big supper here, I eat big breakfast there, and I'm not hungry. So now I've been over there nine days, I get home, my wife hugs me, says, woo, you feel thin. I said, well, honey, I haven't eaten since I left. And of course she's weeping and bawling, because I've already lost 23 pounds. And so anyway, I counted up, and exactly 40. the 40th day was the day before Thanksgiving, and the big project I was supposed to do was a media campaign, and we were gonna run a full-page ad in USA Today, Thanksgiving Day, and sure enough, I, the God kept me from getting hungry. And so I wound up losing 47 pounds, got down to 130. So I told my wife, hey, I'm pre, pre-marriage weight now. <laughs> <laughs> I weighed 135 when we got married. I got back down to 130. So we had some fun with it, but man, God's done some amazing things through the discipline of fasting. Yeah. Uh, but uh, people don't like it when I tell my fasting story, I said, man, I could, because uh, I said, I, 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 so every year for 23 years, 40 days before Thanksgiving, I stopped getting hungry. I don't always go 40 days. I just go till I get hungry. I my deal is the Lord, said, I'm going to fast till I get hungry. People say, man, I can do that fast. Fast faster you get hungry. If you're not hungry, I say, yeah, I never get hungry. But if I do, like this last year, I got hungry I think, on day 20. Yeah. So well, I know when I'm hungry and I eat, but I also know when I'm not hungry. And so I just spend time with the Lord and he's done so much during that time. So.
0: I love that story. <laughs> and um, I've seen your hunger for God's word grow over the years. Yeah. and I think that that's what it's been equivalent to. You were raised in church. Uh, you were uh, around the things of God. You had a Christian bookstore. But I've heard you say before that you really didn't regularly, methodically, every day consume God's word with a intensity and passion. It just kind of thinks, you know, is a part of your life, but not all of your life. Yeah. And you think over this time and these, this time of fasting and, the story that you got, you know, in Guatemala and what you walked away from, just raise your level of hunger for the word of God. And then wanting to see other people get this same hunger because this book is alive.
1: Yeah. And so it took Gaspar weeping over God's word because I took it for granted. Sometimes we take stuff for granted. I take water for granted. I can go to tap and get it all the time, but I've been places where people can't get water, but this is the most precious thing is God's word. So once I understood that, And our family mission statement is to love God intimately and live extravagant generosity. And so I've come up with about 27 gateways to intimacy. How do I get intimate with the Lord? And the number one for me is God's word, even over prayer. Now, prayer's right there with it, you know, but I know if I pray before God's word, I always pray selfishly. After I read God's word, my prayers get changed, you know? Mm. less of me, you know, die to yourself. I'm mm. like, I don't naturally pray that until I read God's word and I realize it's convicting and stuff. So if I want to be with God, what I want for all 7.7 billion people, or the number that's on planet Earth, is they have intimacy with God and how they're gonna do that? Through God's word. So that drives me to make sure that everybody has a chance to have God's word in their heart language.
0: So for someone listening right now that is saying, Martin, how do I, Really develop those disciplines. What do I need to do? What, what would you just tell them in regards to getting into God's word? It's sometimes, because I think sometimes I'll talk to a guy this morning I met at 630. And we we're talking about uh, discipleship and reading God's word and how some people make it so much harder than it is. Yeah, And it, that love relationship with God and just opening up and just setting down with God's word and, and just letting it read you as much as you read it. Learning to let it read you yes you have any thoughts on that
1: yeah i think when you see god's word as a relationship again we can't touch god i can't sit down and have a conversation like what i am but he has left his word so he's speaking to me yeah he's already spoken so i actually believe believe reading god's word is prayer so i do something real simple there's psalms 119 and 18 i pray three verses every morning it's one of them open my eyes that i may see wonderful things in your law that's psalms 119 18 so i'm preparing my heart okay i want to see something and then psalms 119 34 says give me insight." so I can do what you tell me my whole life, one long obedient response. So I want you to open, then I want insight, then I want to obey. And then James 4 and 8 says, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. So that's how I set my mindset in the morning. I want to open, insight, obey intimacy i call them my O I O I. so i pray those three verses so now i've set my spirit ready now when open god's word i got that expectation and sure there's some days that i read it and i'm like wow i didn't get quite much today because maybe my spirit's not there yeah. but the other days it does but i'm also a runner there are days that i run that i don't like it i don't feel good i didn't have a good run but i don't stop and quit yes i keep going so yes. i just say keep going keep going god's word is precious and the more you get into it the more it will speak to you
0: yeah you know, Martin, I think sometimes too, if, if every day that experience was a, <laughs> a high that it would not be a of a measure of faith. Sometimes faith is just simply knowing good. that I should keep showing up and and walking the walk and even if I don't feel it. Yeah. Even if I don't get something dramatic. uh and i rejoice for the days that something's dramatic but that doesn't mean it's any less powerful when it wasn't dramatic for me
1: that's good no i totally agree and that's uh why i just say keep faithful keep doing it just believe if you believe that this is god's word that the god who created all this work did speak to us and this is his word it doesn't take too much to say yeah i ought to be in that and so uh but it takes faith at times like you say because there's days you're just like i didn't get anything from that but that's okay sometimes god Later in the day, I'll think, wow, yeah, I just read something about that. Yeah, maybe that's maybe, okay. I, I didn't get it then, but I got it later, so.
0: Well, I believe Genesis to Revelation <laughs> is God's story pointing amen. us to His Son, it Jesus. Is.
1: Amen, amen. And
0: He uses the people's mess ups to point people to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He uses successes to point people to Jesus. He uses it all to point people to Jesus because that book is alive.
1: Amen, amen.
0: So. Thank you, Mark, for joining us today. Thank you. I am so thrilled that you're joining us. I hope that you will share this with somebody. And let us know. Let us know that you watched. Put it in the comments. And join us again next week as Mark will be with us again for Up and to the Right.